Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different great varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. So let's get started. I'm with Edouard of Chateau de Moulin-Avon, and as the name suggests, it, the, the producer is in Moulin-Avon, one of the crew Beaujolais. So we're here to talk about Beaujolais in general, Moulin-Avon, the crew, and of course the, um, the producer, Chateau de Moulin-Avon. And I do have two wines, two different vintages from the producer, one from 09 and one from 19. So an example of a more youthful Beaujolais, which is kind of what we expect from uh, the region, and a more aged, mature Beaujolais, which is what we don't expect from the region. So this is a rare opportunity to try an older Beaujolais and compare it to a more youthful Beaujolais. It's a really interesting experience. So welcome, Edouard. Just like to start talking about Beaujolais in general. There are three different appellations in Beaujolais. Beaujolais, Beaujolais Village, and then Cru Beaujolais. Can you just talk about the differences between the three and why they produce different styles of wine? Sure, Matthew. Uh, first of all, uh, hello everyone on, uh, on this podcast. Uh, so, as you said, Matthew, I'm Edouard Parinet from Chateau du Moulin-Avant. Uh, yeah, to answer your question, uh, Matthew, uh, I would say it's kind of a, um, how to say, Beaujolais and Beaujolais Village are really much uh, located in the southern part of the uh, Beaujolais region. First of all, Beaujolais region is exactly between Burgundy and Rhone Valley. So there is this line in France where you have Burgundy, Beaujolais and Rhone Valley. Uh, out of this region of Beaujolais, the Beaujolais and Beaujolais Village are south of it. Uh, covering about uh, 10,000 hectares, and the 10 crews totally uh, covers 6,000 hectares. And Moulin-Avant is the northernmost part of the cruise, uh, very close to the city of Macon, where you have the Burgundy starting and appellation like Puy-Fusset. And Moulin-Avant is 600 hectares big, so a pretty tiny appellation. Uh, and uh, yeah, once more at the northernmost uh, uh, part of uh, Beaujolais. What makes it different is uh, pretty much so the, the 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 nature of the soils. So in the southernmost part of Beaujolais, uh, the granite uh, will be uh, will be much more uh, mixed with clay. So richer soils who have uh, a better ability to keep water. You know, so it's kind of soils that are. Uh, able to produce, uh, I would say, more fruits because of this water uh, keeping. I don't know if the word is right, <laughs> but the fact that it keeps water. Uh, while in the northern part of Beaujolais, your, most of the crew are mostly still granitic, but very, very sandy and with no clay. So it means that the water is uh, less kept and the fact that the, the granite is very sandy makes the, the soils of the crews and more specifically of Moulin-Avant very poor, very porous. And so the Gamay, which is covering all the region, the variety of Gamay is uh, in Beaujolais, Beaujolais Village and Cru Beaujolais, the, the same. But the Gamay in, on these soils of granite sands produce small berries with more uh, concentration, more structure, more uh, maturity also, and lower yield also. Yep, so those lower yields are very important. I remember when I went to Beaujolais, all the vines are planted everywhere and just very, very close to each other. Can you talk about the, the density of plantings? Because it's very high density in Beaujolais. 
That's uh, first of all, that's a beautiful region to talk about the region and the vineyard uh, landscape. It's a beautiful region. You know, many people talk about Beaujolais as the, the French Tuscany. Uh, so it has this very round, very romantic, I would say, uh, background, uh, which first of all is amazing. Uh, the architecture is beautiful with many castles uh, in the southern part of Beaujolais, so more on the Beaujolais, Beaujolais village side, the, the pierre dorée, so the golden uh, stones, I would say, which makes uh, an outstanding uh, uh, architecture. And the viticulture is, is amazing. I mean, first of all, it's important to tell to, your, to our audience uh, tonight that one of the very uh, big uh, asset of Beaujolais today is that the vineyards are very old. This vineyard uh, globally in Beaujolais and more specifically in Moulavant, they are very old because in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, most of the Beaujolais was living uh, thanks to or uh, because of Beaujolais Nouveau. And because of Beaujolais Nouveau, uh, the, pr the, the price of the wine being pretty low, the vignerons, uh, the vintners, they did not have means to reinvest, to change vineyards, to replant, etc., etc. And so, thanks to that, or because of that, very, very low part of the vineyard in Beaujolais has been replaced in 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And so, this is why we have such an old vineyard in Beaujolais. In Chateau du Moulin-Vent, the, the average age of uh, vines is 55 years today. So, very old vineyards uh, for for the people who listen to us. You can you probably see what kind of form these vineyards when they are old take. So very very uh, tortuous. I don't know what if the word is correct, Matthew, but uh, very um, I don't know very complex uh, form, very uh, uh, low in a, in a, in a cutting in pruning and with very high density. The reality is that uh, the gamay, one of the nature of gamay is to be naturally pretty productive. So if you want the gamay to give good fruit, you need to uh, make the density higher. So all the vines of gamay being into competition, they will produce smaller fruits of better quality. And that's why the density is so high and the, the pruning is so low and uh, all of that in that beautiful landscape. Yeah, I was uh, reminiscing about the last time I was in Beaujolais and we were going from village to village and it's up and down, up and down and it's so beautiful and the villages are really kind of uh, old fashioned and not really changed by time. And we went to a restaurant near Cherub, which had a view over the whole of Beaujolais and we could see the plains. Yeah, the terrace. Yeah. And, um, I had a sparkling gamay because, well, I was in Beaujolais, so I'll have a sparkling gamay. And we could see the whole of Beaujolais, and it was spectacularly beautiful. It also showed the difference between, you know, the flat plains of Beaujolais and then the slopes going up for the Beaujolais village and then the crew at the top of all those hills. Visiting Beaujolais really gave me an idea of not just what Beaujolais is, but how the different crew and the different subregions really reflect where they come from. It really is the idea of terroir. Kind of Beaujolais taught me more about terroir than any other region that I've visited, even Burgundy. Maybe that doesn't get talked about enough. I think Beaujolais is actually very rich uh, in terroirs. You know, nowadays there are uh, more and more uh, effort being made by the vintners to talk about their own crew. So our crew is definitely Moulin Vent, but 
there is a lot being made by each of us uh, in Beaujolais to talk about uh, Morgan, Fleury, Chirouble, etc., etc. Um, so I think that's a very uh, positive sign. Uh, Beaujolais Nouveau is definitely, uh, uh, how to say, decreasing uh, pretty fast. And in the same time, and as a matter of fact, the crew Beaujolais are rising pretty fast. So that's a very positive sign. Of course, I'm more uh, uh, Moulin Avant guy. So to give you an idea of Moulin Avant, just on these uh, uh, 600 hectares of vineyards in, uh, in Moulin Avant, it gathers uh, more than 60 Lyodi. Uh, so, you know, Lyodi uh, in Burgundy, they are very famous, in Beaujolais, much less. But we have 60 Lyodi into Moulin Avant. So not all of them are obviously corresponding to a type of soil or terroir, but uh, when we do tasting with all the Moulin Avant vintners, we have uh, an estimation of 15 different soils only on the Moulin Avant AOC. So considering just that, you can imagine how diverse uh, for a vintner the region of Beaujolais uh, can be. So that's just Moulin Avant? That's just Moulin Avant, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about, before we go into the Moulin Avant, let's talk about Gamay. So Gamay has a bad reputation, and I think is undeserved, partly because of Beaujolais Nouveau, partly because it's not really, it doesn't re- really work in Burgundy, so therefore, oh, it's a bad grape, it doesn't work in Burgundy. But clearly in Beaujolais, it works very well. But thinking also about other regions, because I've tasted over the last two or three years, Gamay from Côte Rouennaise, from Terrain in Loire, and also from Savoie as well. And in all those regions, it's quite different. It has its character, obviously, but it's a different style, different fruitiness, different uh, tannic structure. Let's champion Gamay. What makes Gamay so great? That's, uh, yeah, that's uh, I think, uh, one of the best questions that uh, I can have. Actually, uh, I, I completely understand why people are thinking that Gamay is can be pretty bad. And there is this story, you know, about Philippe Le Hardy saying uh, le déloyal gamay being banned from Burgundy, etc., etc. Uh, first of all, my, my vision of uh, uh, variety and soil is that the variety is as uh, a uh, interpreter, interpreter of a soil. So in Burgundy, uh, you have, where you have uh, soils made of uh, clay and limestone, the best interpreter is uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. In Beaujolais, we have uh, saint granite. This is Gamay. And in the Rhône, just uh, south from Beaujolais, this is a uh, granite, but which are a little bit more uh, uh, compact, I would say. And here, this is Syrah. And also Syrah has a different maturity, uh, how to say, uh, a different maturity uh, level, I would say, or... Uh, fastness, speedy, speediness than Gamay. So that's why it's planted a little bit southern than Gamay. But you know, the soil in Cotroti, Saint-Joseph are pretty, pretty close to those of, uh, of Cru Beaujolais. Uh, so first of all, there is a matter of logic why Gamay is here. And to answer your question uh, more specifically, uh, Matthew, I would say that Gamay, to my point of view, is a magic variety for uh, many reasons. The first one is more linked to its nature. It's an acid-driven variety, it's a fruit-driven variety, and it's a fresh-driven, uh, I don't know, but a fresh-driven variety, let's say. So acid, uh, because these wines, they have this freshness, you know. When you taste Gamay from Beaujolais, never you will be, oh, that's too, 
too uh, too dense for me. I don't. It doesn't give me pleasure. To me, acidity, freshness is really about what's uh, the pleasure that it gives. It goes together with the fruit most of the time. And Gamay is very uh, famous for the fruit. And yeah, and uh, Gamay has also this uh, this uh, uh, how to say uh, yeah this this complexity that it can have when it has uh, lower yields. And this is one of the specificity of Moulavant as uh, we were introducing that, these uh, uh, sands, very, very poor, uh, which stresses the gamay. So the gamay in our domain, in Chateau du Moulavant, produces uh, 25 hectoliters per hectare on average, so very, very tiny yields. And under these, uh, these uh, circumstances, uh, it produces wines that have this complexity and have uh, this structure also. Uh, so to me, gamay is a chance to me, Gamay is the best for Beaujolais. I think two-thirds of Gamay planted in the world is in Beaujolais. So it's also a very, very local variety. That's important to say it. And uh, to me, Gamay is uh, yeah, is the better interpreter for uh, the, the soils of, uh, of uh, Moulin-Avant and Beaujolais more globally. So as with any variety, it's about planting it in the right soils, the right conditions. So if you plant it in the wrong soils, the wrong conditions, then of course it doesn't produce great wine. But if you plant it in the right place, then it can produce great wine. So talking about Moulin Avon, what's the difference between Moulin Avon and the other crew? The difference is, uh, I would say, two things. There are two main differences. The first one is uh, this. Moulin Avon is, when we talk about soils, it's uh, three main things. It's uh, sandy, as I said, it's rich in oxide, iron oxide, and that's why the soil in Moulin-Avon is particularly uh, pink or red. And it's rich in silica. Silica, you have to imagine, these are very, very tiny, uh, white, shiny crystals that you can find everywhere in Moulin-Avon. That's the main specificity of Moulin-Avon in comparison with the other crew. On the other crew of, of, uh, of uh, Beaujolais, you will find granite, which will be less sandy, which will be, you will have some blue granite also, uh, most of the time, which we don't have in a, in a Moulavant. In Moulavant, it's mostly about sand, red uh, colored because of these oxides and silica. That's the difference in terms of soil. You have another difference because of the environment is the wind. Uh, you know, Moulavant means windmill and this windmill, which is still here, is dating back from 1550. So it's uh, 500 years it's here. And it's not a hazard, it's because we have a lot of wind, which most importantly, during the summer, before the harvest, is able to dry, to concentrate the berries of Gamay and encourage a better maturity. That's a very important point, the second point of environment. And the third point, which is also very interesting, is the diversity. You know, this. Uh, more than 60 Lyodis, 69 to be uh, precise, uh, Matthew, 69 Lyodis in Moulavant. To give you an idea, in Morgon, uh, Cru Morgon, which is uh, twice as big as Moulavant, 1,200 hectares, I think you only have uh, 15 or 18 Lyodis in Morgon. While in Moulavant, with uh, uh, half the size, you have 69 Lyodis. So the diversity in Moulavant is also something which makes it very, very different. And I would, I would mention another point is the history. Moulin Avant has for, I, I was about to say decades, but even centuries, uh, got the reputation to be the 
Grand Cru of Beaujolais because of its complexity, its capacity to age, etc., etc. And that's also part of what makes Moulin Vent different from the rest of the crew. And before we get into your wines, how would you generally describe a wine from Moulin Vent? Well, first of all, I will describe it uh, as a Gamay wine. So it's the most simple description I can say, but it's a light style of wine, pretty much like between Pinot and Syrah, actually. That's, uh, it's, it's always good to have in mind that a Cru Beaujolais will be a style of wine which will be uh, between uh, a Pinot Noir from Burgundy and a Syrah from uh, the Rhone. So a light wine, uh, pretty much acid driven, fruity most of the time. And when you go more in uh, the precision of a, of a wine of Chateau du Moulin Vent, I would say that it, first of all, it really depends on, uh, on the vintage. Depending on the vintage and the, the variety of vintage is huge. Uh, we are at the northernmost part of Beaujolais. So the, uh, how to say, the, the reaction of, of uh, Gamay in function of the, of the weather is also, I think, very important. Uh, we can have, uh, most of the time, I would say that uh, Moulin Vent wines are mostly about uh, cherry, spices, white pepper, a lot of graphite, you know, this uh, uh, mineral graphite, uh, whetstone uh, filling noticeably on the, in the nose. Acid driven, as I said, fresh wines, uh, clean wines, pure wines, and also, to me, a signature of uh, Moulin Vent and our, of our wine is this very salivating texture, mouth-watering texture, which makes you a lot think about this uh, granite that you also find in the Northern Rhone, very salivating uh, type of wine. So that's, to me, uh, the global description of a wine of Moulin Vent. And on a very hot solar vintage, you will have a more uh, herbal, uh, a more um, petrico kind of noses with denser color. And on a fresher vintage, a much more red fruits, strawberry, menthol still uh, oriented with less uh, complexity and less uh, matter in the in mouth. It's interesting you make the comparison with the Northern Rhone because Beaujolais usually gets linked with Burgundy. But when I, I've read uh, textbooks from the 19th century which link Beaujolais and the Northern Rhone together as kind of one connection rather than Burgundy and Beaujolais. What's kind of the relationship with Beaujolais and Burgundy? No, no, I mean... My preference, uh, Matthew, is to talk uh, of uh, wines of uh, Beaujolais about Beaujolais. Beaujolais is really something on its own because of Gamay, because of the soils, because of the geography, because of the people, of the gastronomy, many things. It has, for sure, its own personality. But it's always interesting. I think I, I talk about, uh, I make this comparison because uh, most of the time people know less Beaujolais than Rhone or Burgundy. And so I think it's interesting for the people to have some comparison point. But uh, to me, what's, uh, what links Beaujolais with Burgundy and Rhone is very simple. Uh, Gamay is a genetic cousin of Pinot Noir and uh, the granite that we have in Moulin Vent, they are very close from the one of the Rhone. And that explains also the link that has uh, Beaujolais with uh, his two neighbors. Uh, so that's how I can connect those three regions together. But uh, after all, and this is an exercise that I did uh, by the past, not so much now, but with some clients or media people who came to the domain, tasting, you know, a Pinot Noir, a Gamay and a Syrah from the same vintage. So you can, you know, you can compare, you can understand what's the difference. And those three wines, they are 
logically uh, speaking by themselves, but Beaujolais always has his true and uh, powerful personality, I would say. Now, I think it's a good comparison to think about Gamay and Beaujolais as it's not Pinot Noir, but there's a relationship. It's not Syrah, but there's a relationship, uh, but it's very much its own thing. So let's talk about um, Chateau de moulin avant What is the history of the winery? So the history, first of all, the, the vineyard in, uh, in Beaujolais and in, probably in moulin avant and Chateau de moulin avant in the zone where we are, arrived uh, during uh, the Roman Empire, so second or third century after Christ, just like the Rhone, Burgundy, all these lines where the Romans had their uh, roads, uh, vines were planted here. The very first sign of existence of Chateau du Moulin-Avant we have is 1732. Uh, at the time, it was called Chateau des Torrents because Moulin-Avant as an AOC was not uh, existing. It was created uh, in 1936, Moulin-Avant, and this is when Chateau des Torrents became Chateau du Moulin-Avant. So 1732 is the really foundation date, I would say, of the, of the domain. And yeah, the history of the domain has been very, actually, it's been very, um, how to say, notorious and rich history uh, till actually the 1980s uh, with this uh, mass-produced Beaujolais, which, uh, uh, which made the region very poor and uh, all the notoriety of our wines uh, very bad. But before that, uh, the Chateau des Torrents, or so the former name of, uh, of, uh, of Chateau du Moulin-Avant, uh, was uh, probably supposed to be one of the top estates in uh, the French, I would say, for French country. I can mention something interesting, uh, actually, Matthew, for, 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 for the for listeners. Uh, you know, uh, the, so Moulin-Avant, uh, means windmill because we have this windmill just uh, very close to the to the house we have but the village we are depending on is called romanesh torin this is the village just uh, two kilometers uh, besides uh, besides our house and this village uh, used to be called romanesh and became romanesh torin exactly the same way that givry uh, chambord or puligny became givry chambertin puligny montrachet and chambord musigny because in the second part of the 19th century, people, uh, vintners, already uh, spotted that Musigny, Chambertin, and Montrachet were the three best places of their village to produce wine. And exactly the same way in the village of Romanesh, Letorin, and uh, Letorin was the best place to produce wines and was classified the same way that Musigny, Chambertin, so first class, at the time we were talking about first class vineyard, and le Château des Torrents, former name of Chateau du Moulavant, gathered all these uh, first-class uh, lieux-dits. Uh, so I'm talking about Le Champ-de-Cours, Les Verrières, La Rochelle, La Roche, uh, Les Torrents, Le Moulavant, etc., etc. So Chateau du Moulavant and Chateau des Torrents before had this beautiful vineyard, and this is still our case. We, we kept the, the vineyard did not change so much for the last uh, 150 years, uh, this reputation. Sadly, for Beaujolais and for Chateau du Moulin-Avant, the 1980s, 1990s, and 2000s have been very bad. And so, progressively, we are going, uh, getting the, the thing uh, back, I would say. <laughs> yes, uh, I know here in the USA, Beaujolais is, 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 has a much higher reputation than it used to. And people actively seek Beaujolais out and the different crew and realizing that the quality is very good, especially as... Burgundy is very expensive and Northern Rhone can be very expensive. Beaujolais is still just about affordable, although the prices are going up as people realize the quality. So we have two different wines, uh, the same wine, but two different vintages. 
19 and 09. Before we taste them, can you describe why Beaujolais is it's capable of aging? It's not just a youthful wine. It can be an older wine as well. How does that work? That's a very good question. You, you have to ask Bacchus or <laughs> I don't know which god of wine. It works for two reasons, I think. It works because first, the Gamay is the very best variety uh, on the soils because of its maturity, because of its nature, uh, because it's just adapted to, the, to, to these soils. That's uh, been, a, it's been a, a centuries that Gamay has been here and that's not a hazard. So that's the first reason. And the second one uh, is because, uh, yeah, because the terroir, the Lyodi in Moulavant, they are, they have this ability to, uh, to, how to say, to uh, require a lot of energy to the gamay to produce a tiny amount of fruit. So I think, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if it's really linked with uh, the humans, you know, but uh, uh, to give the best of a vineyard, uh, many times we say uh, that uh, it needs to be uh, required, to be uh, stressed, to be constrained. And this is when uh, you get the real uh, essence of uh, of, uh, of your of your of your lieu of your vineyard. It's pretty much it. Uh, Moulin Vent, I think, you know, I think in uh, any wine region uh, anywhere in the world, uh, you take a land of uh, for for wine, which is uh, I don't know a thousand acres big. You you will always have uh, eighty percent of the surface which is okay. Uh, 15% of the surface, which is very good, and 5%, which is the top. And uh, that happens, I know more French, French wines than the rest, but from what I taste everywhere else, I understand it's pretty much the same. You always have this very tiny, special place where you produce the best wine for the region. And uh, I think, honestly, and this is what history says, uh, that uh, this place is uh, actually in Moulin So Gamay does have the structure to age, even if people don't quite realise it. And again, it's according to site. Uh, which wine do you recommend talking about first, the 19 or the 09? Yeah, to taste first, I think uh, the 19 will be better. So the, the 2019 is, um, as we say, it's uh, c'est un millésime de vigneron. So it's, uh, it's uh, vintage for vintners. It's a very challenging uh, vintage. It's a vintage where we had a, a big, big uh, frost episode in the uh, beginning of April. So a lot of loss. The chance we had is that the summer was uh, very dry, uh, very, um, uh, yeah, very dry, very hot. So we kind of had a, um, a natural selection of, uh, of, uh, of the berries thanks to this uh, very, very dry vintage. That's, I think, in Moulin Avant, uh, when the, the berries and the vines have suffered for, because of hail or because of uh, frost, these wines are very interesting because I think they have uh, a, a joviality, you know, a kind of a happiness, you know, they are very generous, uh, more red fruit oriented, less structured, less complex than the 2009, but they have this very uh, yeah, generous style, I think. The 2019 is a wine to be drink to be drunk uh, now till probably 2027 20, or 2030. So it won't have a big, big aging capacity, but it uh, already has this bouquet, this red fruit mental bouquet, which is, I think, uh, very pleasant. 
So 2019, it's a, it's a vintage which is important for us because this is in this type of vintage that we hope to prove that uh, the work we have done in the vineyard and the work we have done for, you know, sorting the berries and uh, having a very soft vinification is showing the, yeah, the, the specificity of, uh, of Moulin Vendier. Yeah, tasting it now, it's just very classic, high-quality Beaujolais. And as you describe, it's got that fruitiness to it. It is generous, but it's not overly fruity. It's not overripe. And it does have that really soft, smooth texture. So I can imagine this aging, as you say, for another five years or so. But it's drinking very well now. And I think this is what people would expect from a high-quality Beaujolais. And as we've discussed, it's kind of like Pinot Noir because it has that light-bodied fruitiness. This is a kind of like syrup because it has that slight meatiness to it. It's a really balanced um, example of um, Beaujolais and Moulin Avant specifically. And what I like about Beaujolais is that you can drink the wines when they're young. You don't have to wait. You don't have to put them in the cellar and wait 10 years to drink them. You can drink them now and they're absolutely fantastic, but they still have the capacity to age. But of course, we don't often have the uh, chance to taste older Beaujolais because it gets drunk so quickly. But we do have an the 09 here. So this is a fantastic opportunity to taste a wine that's 12 or 13 years old. Tell me about the 09 vintage. 09 vintage is, uh, so first of all, uh, as, a, as a domain, uh, we, we, uh, we want to keep a little bit of each vintage in our own cellar with my dad. Uh, so this 2009 that you have, uh, Matthew, is actually coming from it. So it's a very important vintage for many reasons. It's a very big and beautiful vintage for Beaujolais globally, 2009, for us specifically. So first of all, that that's part of his interest. Second one, it's our first vintage made 100% by us, by my father, myself, and Brice Lafont, our, our maître de chez. So that's very, very, very important to us as well. And uh, and yes, I think. This tasting, Matthew, the getting the 2019 and 2009 is interesting also because of uh, uh, this different of style of wine, a different of style of vintage. Uh, I was talking uh, previously about the variation that Moulin Vent can have on different vintage. Here, uh, with your with your two bottles, Matthew, you really have the 19 with this lighter bodied red fruit, uh, more easy to drink, I would say. Uh, Moulin Avance and the 2009, which is much bolder, more complex, much denser also in, in color. And uh, I, I've been uh, tasting a, a few 2009 uh, recently. And the, yeah, I mean, the wines, they are just uh, fresh like anything. <laughs> they, I actually got the feeling Brice, or Maître de Chez, uh, uh, made me uh, taste that uh, blind. And on the nose, I was, I was much more thinking about uh, Chateau Neuf for this very herbal, uh, you know, kind of a chartreuse, uh, herbal, uh, vegetal, and graphite uh, uh, aromas. But in mouth, it's very, it's very uh, fresh. It's very much more acid-driven than a Chateauneuf, actually. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a young wine, I think. Um, so 2009 is, yeah, very specific, very important to us because of the first vintage. And uh, yeah. This is what I have to say. <laughs> it's fascinating tasting them side by side. There's obviously a big difference because of maturity. One is fresh and fruity and youthful. The other has really dried fruit aromas, mature aromas. 
but it's still got the structure, as you say, it's still got that really fresh acidity. And um, I can see why you could infuse it with Syrah or Grenache um, because of those mature aromas. But as soon as you taste it, it doesn't have that same tannic structure, but it's extremely balanced. So really interesting tasting them side by side. Which do you prefer to drink them a younger vintage or an older vintage? What's your preference? Well, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm completely aware, uh, Matthew, that I'm maybe not uh, very uh, uh, objective, but uh, when you when you ask me the question about uh, why uh, Gamay has not a good reputation, why do you think Gamay is the best? Actually, my the, the answer that I should have given to you is actually that I think the Gamay wines that we produce in Moulavant uh, they are good at any time, and. Uh, uh, so the 2019, uh, hopefully it's good, Matthew. The 2009, hopefully it's good. But uh, if one one day in 20 years time, Matthew, you will receive a 2009, but we will be in 2042, and you'll see that these wines are very, very, very good. And I'm I'm lucky enough to uh, to to buy to 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 be able to find some old Moulin Vans in France. There are also a few old Moulinvents in uh, Belgium, and I have a few old Chateau du Moulinvent in my own cellar. And uh, recently, we did a we did a dinner with a few friends uh, at a chef, uh, which is uh, that I which I I love in uh, close to Bourne. Uh, and we opened the Moulinvent uh, 60, 61, 73, and 93. So wines which were between uh, 30 and 60 years old, and all of them and uh, yeah, all of them were just like fascinated. So I think the real big interest of Gamay in Moulinvent is that it's good at all the time. So that's that's the magic of, of Moulinvent. Some some vintage of us, you know, like I would say uh, the 2015, the 2018, the soon to come 2020, when they when they when they are young, they can be a little bit uh, tight for Beaujolais, for Gamay, of course. Uh, they can be a little bit austere, uh, so they need a little time. But uh, but still, they are they are gamay, so they have fruit, acid, and joy. That's why it's great to taste these two wines side by side. It's like if I, if I feel like a more youthful style, I have the nineteen. If I feel like a older style, I have the 09. They're the same wine, but completely different expression—not different expressions, but just different periods of their development. So um, and it, the 09 definitely shows that Beaujolais and Moulinavon in particular can age and develop and still be very interesting and fascinating. And I think there's kind of a perception that for a wine to age, it has to be full-bodied and have lots of tannins. It has to be like Cabernet Sauvignon or something like that. But this shows, and it's almost like Cabernet Franc in Loire. Those wines are lighter-bodied, but they have high acid and they can age for decades and still be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I completely agree with you. I think... Uh... Uh, great Cabernet Franc from uh, from Chinon or Saumur, or just uh, they can age uh, for decades and decades. But uh, yeah, that's uh, another interesting region. But there is an overlap, isn't there? Because Gamay is planted in the Loire Valley, but maybe Beaujolais just a little bit, a little bit warmer, so you have a bit more fruit and um, to the wines. Uh, just to conclude, um, what is the market for Beaujolais or for Chateau de Moulin-Avon? Where do you sell the wines? Uh, so we sell them nowadays in uh, 20, about 20 countries. So France is number one, uh, US is number two. So bravo, bravo à vous tous and thank you for your, for your trust. And then after it's, uh, 
it's a mix, you know, of, uh, yeah, about 20 countries, which can be pretty close to each other. I mean, our production is uh, 9,000 cases per year. So, you know, from one vintage to another, some, some countries, some partners can take more or less, but that's mostly France, US, UK, I think is a third place. And then uh, everyone else has uh, pretty much in the same, uh, in the same area. Yeah. But what's interesting about, about, uh, about that, uh, Matthew, is that uh, uh, globally, uh, I see uh, interest for Cru Beaujolais growing pretty much everywhere. Probably Europe, uh, you know, uh, uh, these, uh, uh, these old traditional countries for red wine consumption, they are the less uh, dynamic, but uh, uh, um, Americas and uh, Asia, Asia as well, they are very, very, uh, I think, um, curious, open-minded and uh, passionate about uh, wine. And here, Cru Beaujolais, I got the feeling that it, uh, it's very dynamic. So everywhere it's, uh, it's going good. Well, that's good, good news to hear. I used to work at a wine shop in Napa and we actually had a Beaujolais section. And when I started working there, I was like, why does a wine shop in Napa have a Beaujolais section? And then after a few months, I realized it's because all the winemakers and the people who work in the wine industry just buy Beaujolais over and over again. And it's actually difficult to keep track and actually always have enough Beaujolais for, to supply all the people in the wine industry. And so it's kind of a sign that Beaujolais has really kind of got it, has actually got a, a proper identity rather than just Beaujolais Nouveau, which um, as you say, eighties, nineties and the two thousands was the problem. Um, one last question, maybe a bit random. What kind of relationship do you have with the restaurants in Lyon? Because Lyon is such a gastronomic city and it's the nearest city to Beaujolais. Uh, it's very important, uh, Matthew. Uh, actually, I have a little uh, relationship in Lyon. I, I tried to develop the market of Lyon uh, probably six or seven years ago. And um, I, <laughs> I thought it was not the right time. Uh, so I have much more uh, relationship nowadays in uh, Paris, uh, in Bonn, uh, in Bordeaux, in Alsace. But Lyon, weirdly, and you're right, this is uh, one of the things I, I remember about every day. I'm like, I have a city like Lyon and, <laughs> and I'm never there. So that's weird. But uh, Lyon is still very much into the Rhone. Uh, things are changing. Uh, Cru Beaujolais, they are, I, I hear a lot of... Uh, uh, friends, uh, Lyon friends, telling me that Cru Beaujolais are more and more present. But uh, yeah, we are we are we are small family. I am pretty much the only one to to take care about the the sales. And uh, so far, I I did not really change my agenda for Lyon, but I need to. <laughs> the next target. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I, I love Lyon as a city. It's a beautiful city. And when the Rhone and the Seine come together, it's absolutely uh, spectacular. It's been really nice to talk to you. I have a long. Uh, love relationship with Beaujolais because my aunt lives in Villefranche-Sasson and she's lived there since 1987. And so when I was growing up, I went to Beaujolais quite a lot and we drive through the countryside and it, it is so beautiful. And I'm really glad that the wines are finally getting the, the reputation they deserve. And, wine, and wineries like yours are um, really pushing for quality rather than the volume that Beaujolais used to be known for. Yeah, no, they, thank you for these words, Ma Matthew. I... Yeah, I think Beaujolais is just magic, you know, the wines, the landscape, the restaurant, the, the, the atmosphere uh, to all of uh, to all of you who are listening to us. Uh, it's really something to discover between uh, between Lyon and Burgundy. And 
And yeah, thank you, thank you for bringing me on your channel, uh, Matthew. I really appreciate that. And, uh, and yeah, next time you're in Beaujolais, uh, do do pay us a visit. I'll be happy to to pour a, a glass or two. A glass or two would be very welcome for sure. And I definitely uh, encourage any listener who's visiting France to go to Beaujolais because it is. I think it's not just that the wines are slightly underrated that they're getting the reputation they deserve, but it's such a beautiful region as you mentioned, and I don't think people appreciate just how beautiful it is definitely worth uh, visiting so thank you edward no thank you matthew thank you to all of you uh, see you soon in moulin in the us and uh, stay amazing so thank you for listening this is matthew and this has been matthew's world of wine and drink